Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is the first Sunday of Advent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that, gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the temple of the Lord shall tower above the mountains and be lifted higher than the hills. All the nations will stream to it. Peoples without number will come to it, and they will say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the temple of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths, since the law will go out from Zion, and the oracle of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will wield authority over the nations and adjudicate between many peoples. These will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into sickles. Nation will not lift sword against nation, there will be no more training of for war. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced when I heard them say, Let us go to God's house. And now our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. It is there that the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. For Israel's law it is there to praise the Lord's name. There were set the thrones of judgment of the house of David. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. For the peace of Jerusalem, pray. Peace be to your homes. May peace reign in your walls, in your palaces, peace. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. For love of my brethren and friends, I say, peace upon you. For love of the house of the Lord, I will ask for your good. Let us go rejoicing to the house of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. You know the time has come. You must wake up now. Our salvation is even nearer than it was when we were converted. The night is almost over. It will be daylight soon. Let us give up all the things we prefer to do under cover of the dark. Let us arm ourselves and appear in the light. Let us live decently as people do in the daytime. No drunken orgies, no promiscuity or licentiousness, and no wrangling or jealousy. Let your armour be the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, alleluia. Lord, show us your mercy and love, and grant us your salvation. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in Noah's day, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. For in those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, taking wives, taking husbands, right up to the day Noah went into the ark, and they suspected nothing till the flood came and swept all away. It will be like this when the Son of Man comes. Then, of two men in the fields, one is taken, one left. Of two women at the millstone grinding, one is taken, one left. So, stay awake, because you do not know the day when your master is coming. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what time of the night the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake, and would not have allowed anyone to break through the wall of his house. Therefore, you too must stand ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this Sunday we begin a new liturgical year with the season of Advent. In Latin, the word Adventus means coming. And so, in anticipation for the Feast of Christmas, we pay particular attention to the Adventus, the coming of the Lord. But this liturgical season isn't just about our preparation for the celebration of the Lord's coming 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. It's a liturgical season that also seeks to prepare us for the coming of Christ to the end of time. We profess in the Apostles' Creed that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. He will come again to bring the perfect fulfilment of God's plan, to unite the whole world to himself. And so St. Paul writes to the Ephesians here, this is what he says. He says, He has let us know the mystery of his purpose, the hidden plan he so kindly made in Christ from the beginning to act upon when the times had run their course to the end, that he would bring together everything under Christ as head, everything in the heavens and everything on earth. And so, you know, we need to look to this day with great joy and anticipation. It'll be the glorious manifestation of God's power as the reign of God is established definitively over all the earth. If you remember from last week for the Feast of Christ the King, the preface which we prayed describes the kingdom of God as an eternal and universal kingdom, a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love and peace. We see here the fulfilment of how God will reign over his people and how his people will live in easy harmony with him. In a world that's troubled by violence and injustice, this coming of God's kingdom appears as the great promise for which we long. Yet, when Jesus describes his coming as being as sudden as the flood in the days of Noah, well, the flood didn't arrive gently. It came suddenly, with power and with destructive force, and it overwhelmed sinful humanity. 
For in those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, taking wives, taking husbands, right up to the day Noah went into the ark, and they suspected nothing till the flood came and swept all away. It will be like this when the Son of Man comes. Wow. Why does the Lord use such dark and fearful language when he refers to his second coming? I mean, he's coming to bring this kingdom of justice, love and peace. Why use this image of Noah's flood to describe God taking his people to himself? Well, there's no doubt Christ's adventus, his coming at the end of time, is a glorious moment, for that's when God will truly be all in all. But at the same time, Christ's adventus at the end of time is also a great interruption of the status quo. It's an enormous upheaval. Because we don't yet live in a kingdom of holiness and grace. Our kingdom isn't one of justice, love and peace. And so Christ's coming not only represents the definitive manifestation of the kingdom of God, but also the final defeat of everything that is opposed to God. The coming of Christ involves the overturning of the current state of affairs. And Jesus highlights this destructive dimension of his coming by comparing it to the destructive power of the great flood in Noah's time. Just as the flood made an end to all that was opposed to God, so too will Christ's coming. For in this moment, he will subject everything to himself because he's the king, the universal king. And he will offer it all to the Father as a gift which he has won through his blood and through his cross. So, Christ's kingdom is the kingdom of peace. It means, though, that the coming of the Son of Man will be a threat to those who make war. If the kingdom of God is a kingdom of justice, then the coming of the Son of Man will be a threat to those who act unjustly. If the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love, then the coming of the Son of Man will be a threat to those who act with hatred and who use others as an instrument to achieve their own ends. Christ will judge who belongs to the kingdom and who is opposed to it. So, in the face of this awesome and fearful reality, Jesus gives us an exhortation. He says this, Stay awake! because you do not know the day when your master is coming. In other words, be ready for action and make sure that you're judged worthy of the kingdom of God. Make sure that by your action and life, you're not opposed to the kingdom. Otherwise, the coming of the Son of Man will be a threat to you and a fearful day. It's definitely a sobering gospel. And it should strip us of any presumption of self-righteousness. It's for this reason that Advent is counted as, look, it's a penitential season, right? We wear purple just like Lent. Advent is a little Lent. A time when we're encouraged to repent, to conform our lives to the gospel and to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. 
The season of Advent is the time to listen once again to Jesus' call for vigilance. Stay awake. Stand ready. Because the kingdom of God will come in glory and will interrupt and conquer sin and death and everything opposed to God. So is that scary? Um, well, yeah, look, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly something we look to with great anticipation because, I mean, you know, you see the world and you think, my goodness, look at everything that's wrong. Everything that isn't the way that it ought to be. And gee, wouldn't we want it put right? Uh, and I, I suppose, you know, when we start to think about what would need to take place in order to put these things right, it's, it's, it's a pretty big overturning of the way things are at the moment. But, you know, when we examine our own hearts, I think we could probably see that there's still some overturning that needs to happen there too. If Jesus comes to establish a kingdom of justice, love and peace, well then... Everything in me that doesn't belong to justice, that doesn't belong to love or to peace, well, that's going to experience a pretty significant upheaval too. So we get this wonderful advice from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. This was our second reading today, right? Listen to this. You know the time has come. You must wake up now. Our salvation is even nearer than it was when we were converted. The night is almost over and it will be daylight soon. So, let us give up all the things we prefer to do under the cover of the dark. Let us arm ourselves and appear in the light. Let us live decently as people do in the daytime. No drunken orgies, no promiscuity or licentiousness, no wrangling or jealousy. Let your armour be the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Paul seems to home in on this very easy tendency we have as human beings uh, to be a little bit duplicitous. Things that we do in the dark so that they don't get exposed, but still wanting to live in the light. And so he gives this exhortation, right? Let us live decently as people do in the daytime really to resolve the problem of that duplicity, that we should truly be as we appear. Now, I'm guessing if you're anything like me, that probably means a bit of repenting, a bit of turning away from that which still belongs to the darkness. Because St. Paul is reminding us that, you know what, the night is almost over and it will be daylight soon and everything we've done under the cover of darkness will be exposed to the light. So... Let it go. Know that the day is coming. Know that the sun is rising, that Jesus is coming. And this is not bad news. This is great news. But it might mean that we do need to let go of some things which, at the second coming of Christ, Jesus is going to have to defeat within us. That's what it means to stay awake. It might not be the daytime of the coming of God's kingdom just yet, but stay awake as if it were daytime already. Abandon the night and let go of the darkness. No drunken orgies, no promiscuity or licentiousness, no wrangling or jealousy. 
Jesus taught us to pray every day, Thy kingdom come. Well, let's wait. Let's wait for that kingdom to come. And perhaps particularly in this Advent season, as we turn to the coming of this kingdom, the return of the great King, let's let go of anything that stands opposed to this King. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.